Hello, and thanks for listening to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. This is episode 46, Understanding Taxes for Your Business, with our special guest, Brayden Drake of Creativepreneur Community website and podcast. Brayden is here today helping us break down the business tax laws, teaching us what we need to keep track of, how much we should be saving, and why it's important to pay your taxes quarterly. If you find business taxes confusing, this episode is a must listen. Thanks again for joining us today and let's get to it, rock stars. Welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast with your hosts, wedding planner and educator Renee Dallow and blogger and social media strategist Mindy Marzek. Listen in as they bring you the best, brightest and most honest industry advice on the internet. Their mission is to help you, wedding rock star, work smarter, not harder. Hope you're ready, because it's time to rock your wedding biz. Hello, hello, rock stars, and welcome to another episode of the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. Guess who I'm here with today? I know you're going to be so surprised. <laughs> who is it? Oh, now she's... Who is it? It's Mindy Marzik, as oh, always. Hi, everybody. Hi, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> I tried a new I tried a new thing. I surprised her with a new thing, you guys. Yeah, no, I like it. We are also here today with the fantastic Braden Drake. Braden is the owner of Braden Drake Law. He helps creatives like you and me with business formation, with copyright, trademarks, contracts, tax, all the things that we don't understand. He also owns the Creativepreneur Community, which is an online resource for contract templates, courses, freebies, guides, and all of the resources that we need to get legit. Brayden, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited you're here. Hi, I'm so excited to be here also. I'm very excited to talk about taxes. It's one of my favorite topics. It's so funny to me. I know it's, it usually catches people off guard, but I feel like I'm real enthusiastic about it. I love that you are. Oh yeah. my gosh. So this topic, uh, what you need to know about your taxes is actually one that was um, requested by you, our lovely listeners. So we bring you what you want. Don't ever say that we don't give you what you want, people. Yeah. So now you have to sit through an episode about taxes. You asked for this, you guys. No, but this is so important. I, you know, I've been a business owner for a while now, and I admit that I am terrible with numbers and I've always been terrible with numbers and I hire someone to help me. You know, some people are better at it than others. And some Mm -hmm. people uh, feel like they can't put the money into hiring an accountant. So I think that it's really important that we come on and just talk about some tax taxes basics. And that's why Brayden is here. So thank you so much, Brayden. Yeah, happy to be here. Happy to talk about some tax stuff. All right, well, let's get to it. What do we need to know about our taxes, Brayden? Okay, so there are a lot of a lot of topics we could go into, but I want to keep it pretty basic, like tax 101 here. Uh, I always like to talk to people about when you have a taxable business, because the question of whether you have a hobby, whether you're a freelancer, whether you're a business, those questions have different answers. If you're approaching it from a business strategy perspective, a legal perspective, or a tax perspective. So we'll talk about the tax perspective piece. I love this hobby versus business. Yeah. And then I figured after that, we can dive into some really common tax deduction questions I get, just the key ones. And then maybe if we have time, we'll chit chat a little bit about quarterly taxes and tax planning. I love it. That sounds perfect. So how do we tell, so like I'll use myself as a quick example. When I started my blog, 
I also had a full-time job, like a real job job at a cubicle. And uh, I did my blog on the side, but I did monetize it a little bit. You know, I had ads and I did affiliate sales and things like that. Uh, So it was kind of a hobby, but it was also kind of a business. So for someone like me who was maybe like, or, you know, I'm full-time now, but back in the day when I had a full-time regular job and then I was kind of starting this new business, like, what do I need to know about taxes for that new business? So the the easiest way to explain this is actually really black and white. It's one of the few things that is pretty black and white here in this tax universe we're going to be talking (laughs) about. But as soon as you start operating any kind of a blog, a service-based business, a product-based business, you owe tax as soon as you bring in money. So as soon as you get your first client or sell your first product, that's taxable income. So that's rule number one. Good to know. (laughs) Yeah, right. So not always the answer people want to hear. But what I hear people talk a lot about is they say, oh, it's just a hobby. It's not a business. I don't need to treat it like a business. And it's like, well, business licenses, LLCs, whole different ballgame. Uh, you know, whether you're going to really dig in into some business strategy, different question, but in the eyes of the IRS, as soon as you're bringing in money, that's taxable income. Okay. And what people don't realize is that it's possible to report that essentially as a hobby income on your tax return, or you can treat it like a business on your tax return, but you're always going to want to put it on your return as a business, because when you call it a business, then you get all of your business expenses. That's the key. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Yes. So what happens a lot of the time is people get confused. Um, You've probably seen in Facebook groups, people will say, uh, oh, well, if I operated a net loss for so many years or I'm not profitable, then I can't take deductions. Have you ever heard someone say that? I have heard someone say that. Yes. Okay. So this comes, this notion comes from a rule called the hobby loss rule. And I'm not going to like quote any, any tax codes for you because we don't need to go there. But essentially what happens is I'll just give you, I'll give you a really good hypothetical. So I have a Canon camera. Uh, I use it to take my own photos, but I'm really terrible. I just shoot on uh, auto. (laughs) But if my friend said, hey, Brayden, can you come take some pictures, which actually happened at CrossFit last week, someone wanted me to bring my camera. And then she gave me $50 and I was like, oh, hey, cool. Thanks. I definitely want to have a business, right? Because I don't really know what I'm doing, but someone compensated me. Uh, I actually wrote a blog on this topic and used a wedding planning example. I gave the example, someone's super into Pinterest and they really like planning. So their friend paid them to be a day of coordinator. Renee's mm-hmm. probably cringing at this hypothetical I'm giving. No, it's okay. Um, I, listen, I was that person. I once planned a wedding for a couch. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Oh, as the couch was compensation. Yeah, she worked at Crate and Barrel and she offered me a couch and I was like, I will take that couch because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a business yet. Continue. That's a side <laughs> tangent. I'm just kidding. Well, that tangent's actually a great hypothetical. So you made it a little bit more clear and contextualized here. So <laughs> in that hypothetical, that sofa is actually compensation. So on your tax return, technically speaking, you would want to report the value of that on your tax return. But what happens is if now, Renee, you say, I'm a wedding planner, so I took this trip to Las Vegas, I'm going to call it a deduction, I bought a new computer, I'm going to call that a deduction. But in reality, you still have your full-time job, you just did this one favor for a friend and they paid you, you can't show like a $5,000 business loss for that hobby and (laughs) use it to offset all of your other income. Right. So the hobby loss rules prevent people from doing that. But what I explain to people is if you are making a full faith effort to have a business, 
you don't need to be profitable in your first year or two to claim your deductions. But that's where that rule comes from if you ever Got hear it. people talking about it. Yeah, because I actually do see that a fair amount in Facebook groups. Um, and I always, I also, just as a side, always think it's hilarious when people post tax questions in like public Facebook groups. I'm like, go talk to your accountant. Like, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> I just think that's funny that they come to some public forum to ask about taxes. Anyway. Yeah, interesting. Lots of bad advice out there as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that people don't take it as seriously as they should. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think it's also, it's an intimidating topic because people think that it's, you know, really, really, really complicated. But obviously, you can hire an accountant or a tax preparer to do your tax return. But when you're starting out, if you only have one client and a handful of deductions, it's going to be pretty easy to, to self-report that on your tax return as well. Okay, so let me ask a question. Let's say you're in the beginning business or even in the hobby phase, hobby turning business. Isn't there a certain threshold of amount of uh, revenue that you need to bring in before you need to report that on your taxes? Or do you need to report, like like you said, if you traded uh, services for you know $50 and that's all you make in a year, do you need to report that? So good question. Putting me on the spot there with this oh, specific number, but no, 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 you're fine. I want to say, um, I want to say the minimum, I, I think $400. That's what I heard. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, that's what I heard too is yeah. $400. Because we will, we'll double check and put it in the show notes. Yeah, I can put that. Um, I'll get you the exact answer for the show notes, but it basically comes down to there's a different threshold when you're talking about regular income versus income su subject to self-employment. Oh, so I'm pretty positive if you earn at least four hundred dollars in income that's subject to self-employment tax, that has to be reported on your tax return. Okay, and isn't that the? It's a similar threshold for like if you work for a company and they issue you a 1099, right? Yeah, so 1099s need to be sent if you are paying someone $600 or oh, more. Okay, all right. So it's a little bit higher. Okay, well, we'll double check all those figures and make sure that they're correct in the show notes. Yes. So now that we have people thinking about whether they have a hobby or a business, can you give us the basics on like, I know this is so basic, but like, how do taxes work? Because these are things that they don't teach us in school, which is strange. <laughs> Yes. So no one teaches us how taxes work. And I actually do. I have like a one hour presentation I give called How Do Taxes Work? And it's my favorite one to do because I see a lot of like aha light bulb moments. Yeah. No one ever tells us these things. So we could go through a lot of the like a lot of the different terminology, standard deductions, itemized deductions. But let's start by just talking about income. Because it seems like a pretty simple concept, right? But we all have different buckets of income. So if you have a full-time job, you have W-2 employment income. If you have a side hustle, you have self-employment income. You might have an Airbnb, that's rental income. Maybe you go to the casino and win some money, that's gambling income. There are lots of different types of income, right? I feel like you're speaking to me directly with that gambling <laughs> comment, but we'll let that go. I did a consultation once for someone who had about $30,000 in tax. No, I think it was $300,000 in tax debt from gambling, but wow. whole different story. Wow. Yeah. Um, sorry. Side, fun, this is kind of a fun side tangent. That situation, basically, this person was a chronic gambler. So they had a lot of winnings, but they mm. also had a net loss because they gambled away all their yeah. money. Oh. But the, the way the IRS works is they get those win records from the casino and you have to self-report your losses. So oh. he was, yeah, he got this giant tax bill and 
this is before I learned how to monetize my own business really well. I managed to save him a couple hundred thousand dollars in a 10 minute phone call instead of booking a consultation. Cause wow. I said, all, all you need to do is go get your tax return amended and show all of your losses and it will go away. Uh. Yes. So lots of like little tax tweaks like that, that you can make. Obviously, if you're not a tax pro, you won't know these things, but the way taxes work is essentially you're going to total up all your different buckets of income. So full-time income plus net business income is how most of us operate or just your full-time business income minus expenses. And then after you have your total income, you get your $12,000 standard deduction under the law if you're single or $24,000 if you're married filing jointly. And then you have little other bits and pieces like adjustments for like student loan interest that you pay, all that other kind of stuff. And then once you deduct all that off, you get your quote unquote taxable income. So income minus deductions and adjustments, taxable income. And then that's where we calculate your tax with income tax brackets and self-employment tax. Got it. And the brackets change like all the time, right? So they were set in stone for about a decade. So they changed under George W. Bush. And then we just got a new tax bill that passed uh, under President Trump in December of 2017. And those went into effect last year. Okay. All right. That must be what I'm thinking of because I know my accountant was just like, things are going to change. And we're like, okay, whatever, whatever you need to do. <laughs> yeah. We're all just holding our breath waiting. For yeah. Like, what's what's going to happen this yeah. year? Okay. Yeah. So the, the nice thing under the new tax law is that they actually have this new thing called the 20% pass-through deduction. And we can talk about pass-throughs later, but essentially most of us sole proprietors uh, have sole proprietorships or LLCs. All the income passes through ourselves onto our business. And now we get to deduct 20% of that off the top is the way it's, it's supposed to work. So we should all save on taxes, ideally. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> well, the, the way you break it down, Braden, actually makes me actually understand it for the first time. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. That's my favorite. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, deductions a little bit. So if someone, let's say, again, I'm just starting off with my business. I have nothing official. I don't have an LLC. I don't have an S-Corp. I don't have anything like that. What type of stuff do I need to be keeping track of? So blanket rule any ordinary and necessary business expense is deductible. That's the definition given to us by the IRS. How helpful do you think that is? Like on a scale of one to not very helpful. I'm going to say one. Uh, absolutely. No, zero. Yeah. Yeah. Super vague. <laughs> so if we, if we really dial in and define it, ordinary, according to the IRS, and I don't have the rules right in front of me, but essentially ordinary means whatever is customary in your industry. Oh, okay. So... An ordinary business expense is going to look different for me versus Mindy versus Renee, right? Because yeah. we're all in different businesses. And then necessary doesn't mean that you absolutely have to have it. Uh, I always give the example of if you do a lot of editing and you want to buy a $5,000 iMac, the IRS is never going to tell you, well, you could do video editing with a $2,000 computer, so that's not necessary. By necessary, they actually mean helpful and purposeful in your business. So you can think about okay. it that way. That's okay. good. Yeah. So basically, am I buying this item for my business? Yes. Is it reasonable? Is it something that other people in my business also would spend money on to help further their business? If you're answering yes to all those types of questions, it's probably deductible. 
And I like to start at that foundation point because it's easier just to know that if you're spending money on things that you need for your business, it's deductible rather than knowing every single category and classification of business deduction that's out there. Okay. So don't worry about like the codes and the, the classifications. Just think about what do I use for business and how much does it cost? Exactly. Yes. So like I talked to my sister a little while ago and she's been in business for five years as a personal trainer. She has her own gym back in our hometown. And she did not know that credit card processing fees were tax deductible. And I told her that. Yes. And it was something that I take for granted because I was like, well, there's not really a clear place on your tax return where that goes. But to me, it's just automatically triggered in my brain as a cost of doing business. So like, of course, I can deduct it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Can I ask about things like paying for yourself, buying your cell phone and paying for internet Wi-Fi in your house? Like those are things that I would need even if I wasn't self-employed in the job that I am. But I use those things heavily for my job. Yes. So those are all somewhat tied to the home office deduction, which I'd love to talk a little bit about in more detail. So the way it works, um, can I use one of you as a hypothetical? Do you both work out of a home office? I do. Yeah, I do. Okay, perfect. You both work out of a home office. So the way it works essentially is when you go to prepare your tax return or, you know, you're paying someone else to do it, they need to know the total square footage of your house. And then they need Mm -hmm. to know the square footage of your home office. So the way it works is your home office needs to be exclusively used for business, which means you're not, you know, also using it as an at-home gym or guest room, which is commonly what people do. And it also needs to be your primary workspace. So my office is at WeWork in downtown San Diego, but I also have a home office. But because I pay rent to WeWork, I cannot take a home office deduction because it's not my primary place of work. Got it. So that's rule number one. And then the reason why the square footage is important is because you're going to end up deducting your rent or mortgage and utilities based on the percentage of your property that's used for your home office. So if your total apartment size is a thousand square feet and your office is a hundred square feet, then 10% of your house you're using for your home office. And that's how they apportion what is deductible on your utility bills. Okay. I knew that. I feel proud that I knew that. (laughs) Yeah, so that one uh, gets a little dicey for people. I see a lot of people, especially here in California, where we have smaller footprint homes due to the cost of living, who just have a little area of their house that's their home office. And you can do that as well. Like if you have a corner Mm -hmm. of your, you know, studio that's your home office, you can claim that also. Okay. When it comes to cell phone, which you ask about, that one's more of a percentage. It's really tricky, like... They need to come out with better rules for this, but you're supposed to deduct the portion of your bill that you use for business. So (laughs) where you find that dividing line obviously is very subjective. Yeah, that's tricky. That's really difficult for me, for someone like me who works with social media, but I also love social media just personally. I'm like, (laughs) I would have no idea where to draw the line. Yeah, so what you could do, and this is the extent that no one's really going to, but this is the way you can you can think about it, is uh, ultimately the IRS just wants to make sure that you're paying the appropriate amount of tax. So there are lots of ways you can think about certain deductions. What I have done is I actually have two cell phones. I know that would drive some people crazy, but I have a work phone and a personal phone. And so when I got my work phone, I got it second. But I made T-Mobile switch my work phone to be the primary phone on the account. So when I look at my itemized bill, it shows 
primary phone, $90 a month, secondary phone, $30 a month. Ah. So then I deduct $90 a month on my phone bill as my work phone. Smart. I have uh, my work Instagram account linked on my work phone. And then I have just my personal Instagram account on my personal phone. No one probably really needs to go to that level of detail, but you can. I like it though. It actually appeals to my the OCD in my yeah. brain. I'm like, oh, that would be, I, that's easy. I mean, it's probably not easy keeping track of two phones. But yeah. other than that, the bookkeeping part of it is easy. Braden, can I ask you another um I guess, common uh, question is about our mileage, especially because all three of us are in Southern California. Now I use um, a mile tracker called mile IQ. It's an app on my phone, but um, often a lot of times when I go in to do my taxes and I tell my accountant, like I give him that number, he looks at me like I'm absolutely nuts. Cause he's like, you, d- you drove that much. And I'm like, well, yeah. So what's the deal with the mileage and like, how much should we be paying attention to that specifically? So mileage is a really tricky one. Um, if you are driving that much, deduct it all. You know, it's a business expense, so you need to deduct it. But the thing about mileage is it's awesome that you reference Mile IQ. That's what I recommend that people use. They're, they have other competitors that work just as well. But the IRS is a big stickler on tracking your mileage. So a lot of people will just guess and then report miles on their tax return. If you get audited, they're really not going to like that. You need to have mm-hmm. it tracked. Yeah. So the old school approach was to actually keep a notebook in your car and log your odometer reading before and after each business related trip. <laughs> uh, none of us are doing that now. Hilarious. Obviously. Yeah. I know. No. Funny, right? So Mile IQ does that for you. And then you can swipe, uh, so, you know, almost like Tinder, swipe personal or business. <laughs> Not really a bad analogy, but you do it that way. And then if you're doing a standard mileage deduction, The way it works is you get 0.545 cents uh, per mile that you drive, or you can round to 55 cents per mile. So just total business miles times 0.55, that's your mileage deduction. And the alternative, there's an option for you to do your actual expenses. And in that way, it's kind of like the home office. It's a percentage calculation. So you need to know how much you're driving for non-business versus business So you can calculate what percentage of your overall miles are for business purposes. And then you can deduct that percentage for all of your vehicle expenses. Got it. That one's a bit of a pain because you actually have to track your business uh, or your miles. And then they've also done a limitation now on how much car payment you can deduct. But ultimately, I tell people, you don't need to know all these rules and details. Really, your job is just to account for all the expenses if you don't have a bookkeeper and then allow the tax software or your tax professional to do the math. All right, so let's let's move on to another topic that I that I know all of our solopreneurs are thinking about now. Explain quarterly taxes, how they work and who should be paying them. Okay, so pretty much everyone should be paying them. <laughs> if you're a solopreneur or you have a partner, a lot of people don't. So I don't want anyone to like get into a fit of anxiety while they're driving listening to this podcast. Calm down, everybody. It's okay. <laughs> Most people, yeah, calm down. Take a deep breath. Uh, for some context, let me start with what the penalties are for failure to pay quarterly taxes so I can alleviate some stress before we get into specifics. I did a tax return a couple weeks ago for a full-time photographer that I think grossed like 80 or 90,000 a net profit was like 50 or 60 because this photographer paid for a lot of second shooters. So that was pretty good, pretty good margins overall, but had made no quarterly tax payments. And I think the penalty ended up coming out to like a hundred to $150, maybe 200. 
Okay, that's not so bad. Yeah. So, I mean, if you haven't paid quarterly taxes, that tax bill is going to be $5,000. So once you lump in the $100 to $200 penalty, it's relatively negligible. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage everyone to pay quarterly taxes, but I always preface it with, if you haven't done it yet, do not drive yourself into credit card debt in order to make a tax payment to the IRS right now. It's not worth it. All right. So the the tricky thing about quarterly taxes is if you're actually going to do them by the book, the way the IRS wants you to do it, and again, this is like almost laughable, is you're supposed to project what your tax bill is going to be due for the like this year and then divide that in four. So you would say, I'm going to project my income out for 2019, and then I'm going to calculate my, my estimated tax on that, that amount, and then I'm going to divide it in four and make four equal installment payments to the IRS. Well, that's not like really easy on a multitude of levels. Right. Obviously. Well, especially for people who are working project to project, like most of us are, it's like, you don't, who knows what it's going to end up being this year. Exactly. So what most of us recommend that you do is that you just set aside a specific amount of your income uh, from each payment that you get from a client and you put that into a savings account to pay your tax bill. So a lot of people will recommend 30%. uh, If you're starting out and making relatively low income and you don't have a second source of income, including either a full-time job or a spouse, 20% might be just fine for you or even less. Um, you can always talk to your tax professional about what percentage it should be, but that's kind of the rule of thumb. And so for people who are listening who currently don't pay quarterly taxes, but have the feeling now that they should, um, how what what should they do to start that process? Do they have to go to an accountant? Do they just estimate it on their own? So you can estimate it on your own, kind of the rule of thumb, and I don't want to give any, any, any hard and fast numbers, obviously, so I don't. Sure. Disclaimer, I'm not your attorney, I'm not your tax professional, blah, blah, blah. But uh, rule of thumb, if you're making like $30,000 or less, 15% is probably fine. If you're at 30000 to 80000 20 to 25%, if you're making a six-figure income, then you'll want to set aside 30% of your income because Got your it. taxes are going to be calculated on your net, not your gross. So if you're setting aside income based on your gross income after you take all of your expenses, it's going to be a higher percentage, if that makes sense. Yes, got it. Okay, so practical tips, a few ways you can do it. If you have a business bank account, which we all should, I'll highly encourage you to do that if you don't already have one. Uh, You can set up a business savings account and set up auto savings rules with your bank to have them automatically set aside your certain percentage. You can use uh, phone apps to do that for you and have it set aside. And then when it comes to making your quarterly tax payment, it's actually super simple to do on April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, and then January 15th. You just go to the IRS website um, through their payment uh, system, and you can just make a payment with your credit or debit card and do the same thing with the state. I actually, if anyone's listening and they want more directions on how to do this, I, one of my email like opt-in freebies is how and when to pay your taxes with step-by-step instructions. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So I have that uh, in my resource vault, which I can reference a little bit more later. We will put that in the show notes. Awesome. Well, I have to say you make it all sound easy and not scary, which is, which we appreciate. We appreciate yeah, that. it's um, it's a subtle art. It's come with <laughs> a lot of practice. Uh, the first presentation I gave on quarterly taxes ran an hour and a half, oh. and what I realized I had done was I essentially went through a step by step analysis, showing people how to anticipate their income, estimate their own taxes, divide it in four, and start paying it, 
And then I realized no one's really here to nerd out with me on that level of detail. <laughs> and what the people really want are quick tips. So um, every, everything's an ongoing process of refinement, I found. <laughs> well, I think that this uh, pretty much tight 30 minutes was excellent. I mean, it really just kind of narrowed down like how exactly it works, what you need to be saving, what you need to be tracking, and where you need to pay it to. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And Brayden, we're gonna have we're gonna have you back on uh, soon to talk about the different uh, business entities because I know that was something else that our listeners were curious about. But that is a different Oprah for a different day. Perfect. We can talk about S corporations all day. What? Love Ooh. it. Yeah. Brayden, where can the people find you? So you can find me on Instagram, uh, Brayden Adam Drake. That's B R A D E N Adam, like the biblical figure, and Drake like the rapper. <laughs> So find me on Instagram there. And then uh, if you want to access any of my free guides, checklists, or that how and when to pay your taxes freebie that I mentioned, you can go to my website, www.creativepreneur.community uh, backslash vault. And then once you join my Creativepreneur community, you get access to my resource vault, which has all of my freebies in it. If you can't spell creativepreneur, don't worry about it. I'll have them put it in the show notes. <laughs> yes, we will put a link to that in the show notes. And it, it sounds like you have a lot of really cool... Are these freebies? Yeah, I have a sales tax guide for creatives because I get a lot of questions on sales tax on photo albums for photographers. Wow. Same thing with interior designers. And then I have a freebie on California independent contractor law for second shooters and uh, all the other contractors and a bunch of other stuff like that. Gosh, amazing. That sounds really, really great. Well, I think you're going to get a lot of hits to your website after this episode airs. <laughs> I know I'm going over there right now to get all the freebies. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, you'll have to let me know your favorite. I will. I will. And of course, as always, the conversation will continue in our Facebook group. Braden, will you come in our Facebook group and talk to the people? Of course, I will be there. Just Yay. tag me if you have questions. I'd love to chat with everyone. Love it. Love it. So we know that this is, um, you know, not a light subject, <laughs> but we thank you for, you know, sticking with us. And hopefully you learned some amazing tips to make the tax time not as scary as maybe you're thinking it might be. Um, I know I certainly feel a lot of relief and I know I learned a lot more than I knew coming in. What about you, Min? For sure. Like, uh, like I said, I've never been a numbers person and I've always had someone else handle my taxes because I'm terrified I'm going to screw it up. But uh, this does make it sound very simple. And it's one of those things, you know, if you run a business, running a business is hard and you got to do your taxes. So but you can do hard. You things. Can, we can all do hard things. So, yes, this makes it seem pretty you know, a lot simpler than I thought it was. So I'm very grateful for Brayden for coming on. Thank you so much, Brayden. And uh, we'll definitely check out his freebies via the show notes, rockyourweddingbiz.com. And, you know, chat with us on Instagram, chat with us on Facebook. We love to hear your thoughts. Uh, if you want Brayden to come back and do a more detailed episode, we talked about S Corp versus LLC and different entities. Mm -hmm. But if there's any other topics you want to hear, be sure to let us know because we want to make sure that we're covering topics that you guys care about. Absolutely. And as always, thank you all for listening and being with us. And we will see you next week on the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This episode is sponsored by Moxie Bright Events, wedding planning for creative couples and industry education for creative event planners. Also sponsored by Joy Social. 
teaching smart social media strategies for awesome business owners. You can find Renee online at moxiebrightevents.com and reneedallow.com. You can find Mindy online at joysocial.net. Jump into the show notes at rockyourweddingbiz.com and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Wedding Biz.